Hi, it's Josh here again, one of the pastors at West Valley Christian Church, where we exist to love God and love people. And I want to welcome you to our church podcast. We live in a time where we can connect with people in more ways than ever before. So why is there so much disconnect when it comes to the different relationships we have? Join us as we look into what God has to say about the topic of relationships and how we can enjoy them. Hope you enjoy the podcast. And uh, for those of you who don't know who I am, my name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here at West Valley Christian Church, and it is my privilege to bring the Word of God to you uh, this morning. And I want to start off with a question, and this question is as follows. Have you ever had a holy cow moment in your life? Now, what I mean by a holy cow moment in your life is that moment when you, you know that if God doesn't come through for you, you are toast. Have you ever had that moment? I have had some moments like that in my life. In fact, I want to share with you one of those moments. It's not my personal story. It involves me, but not directly. My parents, uh, missionaries in Chile starting uh, in 1976. And uh, my parents, they were, you know, a young couple. They had me. I was 11 months old. My brother was two years old. And they felt called by God to move to South America, Chile. And so they were getting everything ready. You know, they were packing. They were, um, you know, uh, finding support from different churches. And in fact, this was one of the churches that supported my parents for the first time back in 1976. 1976 was the year that this church was founded. And it was the same year that my parents moved to Chile. And so they were excited about moving and they were excited about doing all these things. You know, they were rounding up support and they were, you know, getting ready, uh, packing and all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, if you guys know a little bit of uh, Chilean history, the political climate wasn't the best. You know, uh, in 1973, there was a coup. They had a communist government that lasted 100 days. And then uh, the, the equivalent of the White House in Chile was bombarded. And then it was dictatorship. It was Augusto Pinochet who was uh, the president, had been formerly uh, the, um, the uh, um, general of the army, and he took over the country between 1973 all the way up to 1988. And so my parents were getting ready, you know, for the trip and all that kind of stuff, and they kind of knew that there was a little bit of issues going on in Chile, and so they get on a plane, they make a trip to Chile, they get out of the plane, and my mom would say she had a holy cow moment, because she realized she didn't know the language, she realized it was martial law, which meant military in the street all the time. She realized that there was, this, there was people disappearing left and right, people getting shot, and all of a sudden she was there and she realized this was a holy cow moment, which meant, Lord God, if you don't come through for me, I am toast. So I want to share with you one of my personal holy cow moments. It was the moment when my first son was born. My first son was born, right? We were getting ready, you know, we were excited, you know, my wife was pregnant, my son was going to be born, we got everything ready, you know, we bought all the things that we needed to buy, we got the bedroom ready, we got the crib, all these things, we got, you know, the car seat, you know, trying to figure out how to put it in the car, and I don't care who you, who you are, but if you're one of those people that brags about never cursing, that's probably because you've never tried to put a car seat into a car, okay? So anyway, we're getting ready and we're trying to figure it all out, and all of a sudden, the day comes when my son Justin is going to be born. And so I thought I was ready, but he comes into the world and I hold him in my arms and I'm like, holy cow, Lord God, if you don't come through for me right now, I am toast. And I thought it got better, but my wife kept popping out kids. 
Matthew, I had nothing to do with that, by the way. Matthew, right? And then Amy. And I thought it got better. We have, you know, our kids are 15, uh, 12, and 10. And I remember being, you know, uh, uh, I think it was Disneyland. It was in, in a line. It might have even been at the supermarket. And we saw this uh, couple. They had two toddlers, and they were kind of struggling, you know, because one of the, the babies was crying, and they were kind of embarrassed. And I said something to the effect of, you know what, don't worry, because it gets better. And I just realized I lied to them. <laughs> because it doesn't. You know, years go by, and I can tell you, I have teenage kids, and I have holy cow moments almost every day. And so I would say that parenting is probably one of the hardest slash rewarding experiences a human can have. One of them. And so I wasn't asked to preach on marriage today, so we'll just keep it at that, uh, which is probably the hardest. Let me show you a picture. My wife sent me that. right? If you have teenage kids, you know exactly what that is. That, that made me laugh. And so anyway, we're going to pray, and I'm going I'm to talk to you a little bit about uh, what Scripture says about the topic of parenting. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you so much because it's such a, it's such a privilege to, uh, to be able to preach. It's such a joy, Lord. And I, uh, I pray that the message that I bring today will be uh, helpful to all of us. I pray that your word will uh, speak even uh, surpassing my words, and that this uh, uh, word that you've given to us will allow us to make the changes in our life that you are calling us to do. We thank you for all the parents that are here, and I pray that you will speak to us. And we pray this, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so we're continuing a series. Actually, we're finishing a series today um, on the topic of Connect, and we've uh, talked about uh, Relationships 101. We've talked about Dating 101. We've talked about Marriage 101. And today we're going to talk about parenting. We're going to talk about parenting. And I don't know if you know this or not, but those, those of us uh, who preach, um, you know, Pastor, Pastor Greg, Pastor John, Pastor Kirby, uh, Pastor Rob, there's a spiritual battle that takes place when you're preparing a sermon. In other words, if you're, and this doesn't happen all the time, but it happens sometimes. When you're preaching on, on finances, you may have an issue with finances that week. If you're preaching on anger, you may have a moment that week when you, you know, you got angry, and then you kind of feel bad about it. Now, I just want to tell you, this week wasn't my best parenting week. <laughs> Let's just say that one of my kids got in trouble a couple of times this week in the school. And so now, I know, I know this. I know the enemy wants to mess with my head and tell me, hey, you have no authority in the subject. Who are you to preach on it? But I just want to put that out there so you know this. And for you to understand that when we preach here and when we give the word of God, we're, it's, it's, it's a level playing field. I'm showing you what the scripture has, and hopefully we can all learn together. Amen. Sound good? Okay, the authority is the scripture, not the preacher. How many parents in the house? How many parents? Okay, a lot of us, a lot of us. How many have kids from zero to 10? Zero to 10, okay, a few of you. How many from, from 10 to 20? Okay, 10 to 20. How many um, uh, empty nesters do we have here? Okay, all right, quite a few. John was a little too excited. Well, that's like, that's like the promised land for me. You know, someday, someday, right? Yes, another one over there. I get that. I get that. Okay. So anyway, we're talking about parenting, and, and there's, there's quite a few verses on parenting, quite a, quite a few scriptures on parenting, and I just want to share um, a few of those. So Proverbs 22, verse 6, says this, start children off on the way they should go, 
And even when they are old, they will not turn from it. This is a great, a great scripture that talks about starting them off early. Another scripture is Colossians 3.21. Colossians 3.21 says, fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. It's a great verse because it talks about it, it talks about encouraging them without putting them down or embarrassing them. And then there's another scripture. It's Deuteronomy chapter 6 says this. These commandments that I give you today are to be in your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So, so, so that's good. It's talking about keeping the word of God front and center in everything that you do so that your children can observe that and they can receive it. And all of these verses, they're, they're, they're great stuff and they're great encouragement. And, and each one of these verses could actually be used as a sermon. But there's one that is my favorite and it's the one that I want to share with you today. And the reason why I like this verse so much is because it teaches a biblical principle that is not only applicable to those of us who are parents, but it's also applicable to any person who has any role uh, of leadership or is um, leading in any way. And it's applicable to all of us. And this is, this is why I like this verse um, so much. But before I read it, let me set it up this way. So I told you earlier, I have three kids, 15, 12, and, and 10. And let's just say hypothetically that my oldest son, Justin, he puts uh, too much milk in his cereal and ends up dumping away most of it all the time. Let's just say hypothetically. Let's just say hypothetically that my, my son Matthew uh, always leaves the towel in the bathroom and never picks up his clothes from the bathroom. But this is just for argument's sake. Let's just say that my daughter Amy um, never makes her bed or has a hard time making her bed. Let's just say. Okay. What, what's my... What's my, my my focus as a parent. What is it that I immediately go to when I see these things that my kids are doing that I want them to change? Where do I go immediately? My tendency as a parent is to go to the problem. I'll focus on the unmade bed. I'll focus on the towel on the floor. I'll focus on the wasted milk. And my conclusion will be, well, there's something in them that needs to change. And my role as a parent is to identify that thing that they need to change. And I need to find a way to make them do what I think they need to do. And what I'll do is I'll, I'll find different ways. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll take away their allowances, or I'll, I'll put them in timeout if they're younger, or I'll find some way to make them do the thing that I think that they need to do. Because my goal as a parent, I assume, is to change their behavior. And that's not bad. That's great. It's a good thing to be a disciplinarian with your kids, but Paul, in the verse that we're about to read, Paul is proposing looking at the problem from a different angle. He says, Titus 2.7, Titus 2.7 says this, in everything, set them an example by doing what is good. In everything, set them an example by doing what is good. So, so here's Paul giving, giving advice to to Titus on leadership, and he's an early, early church planter and a, dis, a disciple of Paul, and he's saying, he's, tell, he's telling him, if you want to lead your family, if you want to lead your children, if you want to lead a church or any type of organization, start with you. Lead yourself. 
Now, all the other verses are great, and they're so, so helpful. You know, lead them without putting them down. Keep the word front and center. Start them off early. These are great, and they're all how-tos, which are very helpful. But Paul would say that that a how-to will lose its weight when the who behind the how loses authority. So my words will lose weight if I don't back it up with who I am. Have you ever listened to someone give instruction whose words have no weight? So my mom, and she knows I'm going to tell this story, so we're good. My mom tried to teach me how to dive when I was eight years old. In fact, we were on furlough here in the United States, and we were like at the YMCA or something like that. And see, she's like, I'm going to teach you how to dive. You're going to learn how to dive today. So she told me, stand, stand at the edge of the pool. You need to look out. You need to put your arms up, and you need to jump in. And so I did exactly what she said. I, I jumped off and I landed flat on my belly and it hurt really bad. Then I got back up and my mom said, hey, you know what, you, you, made, you, made, a, you made a mistake. So what you need to do is you need to put your arms up and you need to sort of tilt yourself up a little bit. You know, you kind of, kind of impulse yourself with your feet and then you'll go, you'll go straight in. Tried it again, same thing, landed flat on my stomach. Third time, I'm like, mom, this isn't helping. She's like, wait, I know what the problem is. You need to stand up, you need to put your arms up, you need to tilt yourself up, you need to look out, because you're looking down, you need to look out to where you're going to go in. I tried it, landed flat on my stomach again. Then I get out again and I say, Mom, you know what, let's do this. I'll watch you, you'll jump in, and I'll do what you do. And she's like, I can't dive. (laughs) I wish it wasn't a true story. It's a true story. So the reason why I tell that story is because this is exactly the point that Paul is making. You can have all the information, you can give lectures, but it won't work if you're not an example. I cannot tell you the amount of times that I've been, I've been looking at my child in, the, in his eyes and just explaining to him, this is why you need to do that, and this is what happened to me, and this is what the Bible says, and I'm talking, I'm talking, I'm talking, and he's looking at me with a blank stare, and I know what he's thinking. He's like, I hope he stops making noises with his face because I want to go back to playing video games. <laughs> but it's true. What would Paul say? What would Paul say to me? Because in my mind, that information was so helpful. But what would Paul say? He would say, he would ask the the following question. He would say, Josh, are you an example? Are you an example? Because the possible reason why your words lack weight is because maybe your living doesn't line up with the words that you're saying. Now, Jesus is our ultimate example of his words lining up with what he's saying. I can't think of anyone that would have weightier words than Jesus. Would you say his his words had weight 2,000 years later? I would say say so. And why? Because he lived up to his message. You see, Philippians chapter 2, and I'm going to read uh, a few verses here. It says, this is talking about Jesus. It says, verse verse 8, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. 
Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see, what if Jesus lived his life and gave all these talks and these speeches on love, on selflessness, on sacrifice, and then he's like, ah, you know what? <clears throat> I don't know if I'm going to the cross or not. I'm not, I just, you know what? No, let's just leave it at the words and then we'll just see what happens. What would have happened with his message? It would have lost all of its weight. No weight, no authority. So let me ask you this, and I'll ask myself the same question. Why was Jesus exalted to the highest place, like the verse says? Why did God give him a name that is above every other name? Why is he worthy of every knee bowing down before him? Why did his words have so much weight? Because Jesus was an example. That's what gave his words weight. And see, what Paul would say is, is what is true about Jesus is also true about us. You see, what, what ignites or, or quenches the words that we say is whether or not we are living what we are saying. So before we go to all the, the do's and don'ts or the, the, the four keys to be a godly parent or the 10 principles, you know, to have godly children, which all these things are good and helpful, the question I will ask myself and I will ask you is, are you, am I an example? Are you a leader worth following? Am I a leader worth following? You see, it's much easier to tell someone how to live than to show them how to live. Paul would say, Paul would say this, you can't expect to change your children or anyone you lead if you don't change you first. So the question now is, how do I change me? And I only have like 17 minutes left, and that's a deep question. We're not going to face all our demons in 17 minutes, you know, but I'll give you a place to start. And this is, this is one of the things as, as pastors that we, that we do here is we, we let the word speak to us as we're preparing. And I'm going to raise a question. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to raise the, the, the following question. Please pay attention to this. Please pay attention to this because this will help you understand why you lead the way you lead or why you parent the way you parent. This is the question. How do you understand your relationship with God? How do you see your relationship with God? Because in order to have a proper understanding of our relationship with our kids, we have to have a proper understanding of our relationship with God. You see, the scriptures talk about God as, as a parent over and over again. He talks about us, him being the father and us being the son, or him being the father and us being the daughter. I'll just give you an example of, the, of these verses so we can understand how important this is. Galatians uh, 3.26 says this, So in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith. Romans 8.16 says the, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. 
1 John 3, 1 says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. So, so we are his children, and God is our Father. And he has a certain way of relating to us that we are called to mirror as we parent or as we lead. And it's impossible to model this properly to our kids or to the people we lead if we don't have a proper understanding of how Scripture describes our relationship with God. Because we will mirror whatever we understand of our relationship with God. And that's why I posed the question a couple of minutes ago, how do you understand your relationship with God? How do I understand my relationship with God? And this is where I had trouble and still have trouble. I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Because intellectually, I know what the Bible says about our relationship with God. But somehow, and it could be because of my upbringing, I'm not really sure, it could be part of it, is there's this assumption, and maybe you can relate, and I'm almost over this, but sometimes I go back to it. I have this assumption that, that, that God is like mad at me that he's like disappointed in me. And so my tendency is to make it my goal to make God happy. So if I don't sin very much, God's less angry at me. But if I sin a lot, he's super angry at me. And no, I understand that theologically that is incorrect. That's the struggle that I have. And I tend to mirror that into how I raise my children. The way you understand God's relationship to you is the way you will understand your relationship to your children. And so if you feel guilty by default, our tendency will be to see our children as guilty by default. And so when we're, when we're parenting and when we're leading, what will happen is, is we'll, we'll think that, that the person that, that we're leading or the, the, the children that we're raising, they have to, they have to earn our respect. They have to earn our love. And so when we're, when we're teaching our kids and when they do something wrong, you know, we'll, we'll apply the discipline. We'll do the things that we need to do. But at the same time, we'll have some sort of like, oh, he offended me. And like, oh, oh, she, she, you know, she, she's doing something wrong. And like, you, you will layer on top of the discipline, you will layer some sort of like resentment. Like, I can't believe he did that to me. I can't believe she did that to me. And that was my tendency as a parent but then I understood what the Bible actually says. You see, I thought unconsciously that God's love fluctuated based on my behavior. And so since I thought that God's love fluctuated based on my behavior, I had a tendency to be that way with my children. But then I realized what the Bible says. Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ is what? Different? Changes? With the wind? The same. The same yesterday and today and forever. You see, I have a tendency to not, not understand. It. I have a tendency to understand in my mind, but not in my heart, the immutability of God, which that means that God can't love me any more or any less. He loves me completely all the time, and that never changed no matter what I do. And the understanding of that has freed me to understand that what is true with God and me should be true with me and my children. I need to love them no matter what they do. And that will free you to be the parent that God has called you to do. I began to understand verses like Romans 6.10 that says, the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So it's done. 
It's taken care of. John 1 12 says this, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So now I no longer am wrestling, thinking that I am always back and forth from eternally condemned, accepted, eternally condemned, accepted. I don't have to fluctuate like that anymore because I understand that God's love never changed. And this understanding has overflowed into my relationship with my kids. Now they know that they are approved in my heart no matter what. No matter what. Now the pushback could be, well, well, if I don't get mad at my kids, then they're just going to go off the deep end. I have to be a little mad at them. I have to be a little resentful. I mean, they need, to, they need to feel it. Well, we need to make a difference between the discipline. The discipline doesn't change. We have to discipline our kids. But we can't layer on top of that resentment toward them. They need to understand that we love them unconditionally, no matter what they do or don't do, in the same way that God loves us. And the result of that, the result of that is the same result that you have when you understand that God loves you no matter what. You don't go off the deep end. No, that motivates you to be a better follower of Christ. And the same is true with the people we lead, and it's true with our children. The unconditional love of God does not motivate us to be disrespectful and disobedient. Much to the contrary, it is the number, re- number one reason why we love living for him. Okay, so we know he love, loves us no matter what. He's not keeping score, and neither should we. I'm going to end with this. I just want to say something that is kind of obvious to those of us who are parents or thinking about being parents. Our kids are our most valuable thing that we have. I mean, just thinking about my kids, it, gets, it, grabs, it just grabs you emotionally because you, you, you love them so much and you would do anything for your kids. You know, I think about my son, Justin, and I think about, you know, I just, I want him to be everything that he can be. I think about Matthew, and I see all the potential that he has. I think about Amy, and I just want to protect her with all of my heart. I don't want anything to happen to her, ever. You know, so when we think about that, it's like we just want to do anything that we can. That's why sometimes we we make mistakes and we go overboard, because we love them so much. And so I want to speak to those, and I'm speaking to myself when I'm saying this, is maybe you feel like you've, you've lost authority with them at some point. Maybe you feel like sometimes they just don't listen to you. I often feel like that. So I want to ask you guys to, we're going to close our eyes, we're going to pray, but I just, I'm going to ask you some questions with our eyes closed before I pray. Would you, would you do that with me? Just close your eyes. I want you to picture, I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to picture, I want, to, I want you to picture what you want your kids to be or the person you're leading. Picture the person that you want your kid to be. Think about the habits that you want him or her to have. Think about the work ethic that you want him or her to have. Think about the values that you want him or her to have. Think about the loyalty that you want him or her to have. Now, the next logical question would be, well, what are you doing to help your kids be like that? But according to Paul, that would be the wrong question. Paul would say, are you the person now that you are hoping your kids will be in the future? You see, we can buy all the books, 
We can learn all the verses. We can do all the prayers, and that's great. But the question remains, are you an example? Because that is what will define the weight of your words for your children and for whoever you lead. Also, let's keep keep our eyes closed as we're about to pray. Also, your children need to stand before you approved. My children need to stand before me approved because we all stand before Jesus approved. So let's let that truth permeate our souls and let it transform us to the image of Christ from the inside out so we can be an example. Lord God, we want to thank you for your word this morning. And I want to pray that you will help us understand, not just in our minds, but in our hearts, what it is that you're calling us to do. Lord God, we love you so much. And I want to apologize to you, Lord, for having a misunderstanding of how you see me. And I pray that if there's anyone here who feels the same way, maybe we've had a a misunderstanding theologically of who you are to us. Help us understand, Lord, that we stand before you approved. You have approved us. You love us unconditionally. I pray that that will overflow into all of our relationships, whoever we lead, and if we're parents also, Lord. That whoever we're leading, or as we relate to our kids, that they will stand before us approved. And that as leaders, as parents, we will focus on being an example to them and lead out of our lives. We thank you for your unconditional love, God. You have transformed us completely. And I pray that we'll be drawn closer to you as a result of what we learned today, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. listening. If this message was helpful, why not share it with a friend or a family member? For more information, please visit us at wvcch.org. Have a great day.